discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same, we are constant. God is constant, God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. Good evening to all of us. It's a blessing to be with you like this once again. I'm honored to be with you and to share the word of God with you. Tonight, I'm still going to continue with respect to honoring or honor. And I'm sharing concerning how to honor God's servants. How do you do it? You know, we've been sharing on Anna for some time now. Um, and I want us to continue a step further. But before we, we continue, I just want us to share a very quick word of prayer. And then we'll get into the word. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love and your kindness. Thank you for the many opportunities you give us to hear your word. And to be blessed through your spirit. Thank you that even as... Your word proceeds forth. The ministry of your spirit is functioning practically in our lives this afternoon, this evening. Thank you that the ministry of the word is functioning practically in our lives as well. Thank you that your word is received with meekness and with gladness. And your word comes to transform our hearts and our minds, causing us to enjoy all the beautiful things that you have designed for us to enjoy. In the name that is above every single name, in the mighty name of Jesus, have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Anna, Anna, how to honor God's servants? How to honor God's servants? We spoke about last Wednesday, I defined what Anna was. I said that Anna is recognition of importance, of value. I, I mentioned that it's respect, veneration, or reverence. Okay, recognition of importance, of value. Hallelujah. And I mentioned that Anna is a key to getting the anointing and power of God's spirit operating in his servants to work for your good. And I mentioned how Jesus was not honored in his own hometown, and hence he could not do much. But was honored by um, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, and hence had, they had the greatest miracle of Jesus happening for them. Then on Sunday... Uh, I'm sharing concerning many scriptures that show that we must, we must honor God's servants. So let's look at how God instructs us to honor his servants in order for us to experience higher dimensions of his power. And I mentioned so many things, uh, 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 many scriptures that explain, you know, what it means to honor a servant of God. And, um, you know, just by becoming a pastor, you are seen to be uh, to be in a, in a, in a, in a, in the midst of a group of people who are um, who are what they are to cheat people. Uh, I remember I had difficulty introducing myself as a pastor for many years. I never did. I'll, when I go outside in the church and I'm, I'm asked 
of my name. I would say something, I would mention my name, I would just mention my name. I would say, my name is Oti Boateng. I will not, not ask, add pastor to it. I had pastor, uh, I had some of our pastors with us. And I will not introduce myself as a pastor, so they will also not introduce themselves as, a, as pastors, you know. Because of the, the things that go through people's minds, you know, when you say you're a pastor. Just recently, just last week, you know, I was with Pastor, pastor Ellie and then Pastor Godwin. And, uh, um, yeah, Eddie Elder, Eddie Nam, we're checking some things out. We met this realtor who is a business, a, a businessman who's a realtor, sanguine, sanguine, very interesting sanguine. When I introduced myself as a pastor, I said, ah, you are the people who have, who have the money now. Yes, you are the people who have the money now. Then he said that if, if you know, it's one of the places that he's looking at and that if he gets the opportunity, he will also become a pastor in order to make some, some money. You know, and that now it is, it's, it's pastorpreneurship. There's something called pastorpreneurship. You know, there's interpret. I, that was the first time I was hearing a word like that. That was the first time I was hearing any, any word like that in my life. I know of entrepreneurship. I, didn't, I never knew about pastorpreneurship. He, he coined that word for me for the first time. You know, so there's a certain way you are, we are looked at. Just by being a pastor. People feel you are, you are in to, you know, to get their money, in to control their lives, in to, I mean, you are, you are, you are, you are a bad person, you, are, you didn't have good grades in school. That is why you are a pastor, like, that's the only thing you, you could do. You know, I've had some parents call me and say all kinds of things to me over the years, and see me in a certain way. Just, just last week, I was sitting with a certain group of people, very highly educated people. And we're talking, I told them, it's not, don't think that I'm not educated. I've, I've gone to school. And I started mentioning some of my, some of the things I've done with respect to academics. They were professors. You know, and I was just mentioning. And they realized I could speak good English. Because prior to my meeting them, they had a certain mindset that I was a very terrible person, uh, destroying people's lives or whatever. You know, and I started to like, Charlie, it's not like that. We've gone to school. We've gone to school. So just by having that name, Pastor, there are so many suspicions. Ish. So many suspicions. Accusations. What you have not done, they say you have done. People judge you before they even meet you. It's amazing. One parent, I can, I can even read the text message to you. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll get you arrested. This is two weeks ago. He said, I'll arrest you. Because your, my, his daughter was in the camp meeting that we were, we were in. <laughs> so he sent me a message that he knows that his daughter is with me. As though his daughter is in my bedroom. <laughs> and that he will get me arrested. You know, and he was pushing me to say something. I didn't say anything. I was just quiet. I never replied. And I think because I didn't reply, he was so ashamed. He's allowed his daughter to be in the house of God without any problem. And I didn't reply. I was, I was led not to reply, so I never replied. So there's constant accusations, slander, suspicions, uh, attacks, being discredited, being seen as a, as a very, as a terrible person, as spooky, as so many things already. So if out there we are, we are seen like that out there, we shouldn't be seen like that in, 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 a, in the church. Do you understand? Like we should be accepted in the church. 
because it is because of the church of Jesus Christ that we are, we are being accused and being seen in a certain way by others. And most of the time, some of the, most, of this, most of these people are Christians. Those who tag, who do those things to, to, to uh, pastors are Christians from other denominations. When you, say, when you mention your church's name, hey, what kind of church is that? Why, why, what, what? <laughs> why economy? What are you, why are you economi- economizing the lab? It's amazing. amazing. You know, and if you read the Bible, Paul also mentions these things and talks about how, how, um, how the world sees the ministry. And I want to show it to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. From verse, 9, from verse 8, 1 Corinthians 4, from verse 8. So we are seen like that, like, like we, are, we are seen in a certain way out there. We should not be seen like that in church. We should not be uh, uh, under a certain kind of stress or duress in the midst of God's children. No. We are your pastors. We must, we must be comfortable. We must, we must be treated in a certain way. Yeah, because there's always an attack out there. Just imagine if you're fighting in a boxing match. And you go into the ring, you go and fight, you come and sit at your corner, and all you get is hot water poured on you. You know, it's, it's not going to work. I mean, when you sit in your corner, you should get some massages. Yeah. You should get some drink that you are drinking. Yeah. yeah, you should get people wiping your tears and, you know, trying to smoothen your swollen face a little. Just imagine you, are, you, have, you, you have been beaten in the, in, the, in the ring and you are in your corner, and then they are using... Uh, screwdrivers to oh to to smoothen your your saw it's not going to work uh, look at this first Corinthians four eight it says now you are full he was writing to the Corinthian church it says now you are full now you are rich you have reigned as kings without us and I would to God you did reign that you also that we also might reign with you next verse and I was talking about balance the last time. And there are a lot of Christians who are not balanced. So these people are not balanced. So Paul was addressing He says, now you guys, you are, you are rich. You are full. You have reigned as kings without us. And I would to God you did reign so that we might also reign with you. Actually, it's not, it's not happening like that. That was what he was trying to tell them. Verse 9. Then he says, for I think that God has set forth as the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. There's an appointment of death for apostles, for sent ones. For we are made a spectacle, a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. We are a spectacle. A spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. Then it says, we are fools for Christ's sake. We are fools for Christ's sake. It's very difficult to be tagged as a fool. No matter whose sake it is, it is for. Yeah, by being a pastor, by being a man of God, you are tagged as a fool. One man of God died uh, two days ago. Very powerful man of God. May his soul rest in perfect peace. Died two days ago. And the news splashed it. You know, the news, uh, CNN reported it in a certain way. Uh, uh, oh, it's not a small thing. Pastor who was against COVID vaccines dies of COVID. Just look at that. He's done so many nice things over the years. That's what they remember him for. He says, we are fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honorable. You are honorable, but we are despised. Yes. You are honorable, but we are despised. Wow. It shouldn't be like that in the house of God. No, 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 no. no. Look at the next verse. 
Then he says, even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst. There's no food. And are naked, no clothing. And are buffeted. We are beaten by so many things. And have no certain dwelling place. We don't have a place to stay. Even unto this present hour. Wow. We are not honored. All this is honor. If you honor somebody, you feed the person, you remember. If you honor somebody, you clothe the person, you remember. If you honor somebody, you make sure the person gets a place to stay. Oh, he says, we don't have any of these things. Next verse. And labor, we work, working with our own hands, being reviled, being insulted, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Wow. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as a filth of the world and are the offscoring of all things unto this day. Verse 14. Then it says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. I warn you. Now, let's read the message of, of, this, of these verses from verse 9. Message version, so that you understand it very well. It says, you already have all you need. You already have more access to God than you can handle. Without bringing either Apollos or me into it, you are sitting on top of the world, at, last, at least God's world, and we are right there sitting alongside you. Verse 9. It seems to me that God has put us who bear his message on stage in a theater in which no one wants to buy a ticket. No one wants to buy our tickets. <laughs> yeah, nobody. You know, when, when, when uh, COVID hits the world, the government of this country was giving all kinds of aids to different groups. Yeah, the church never had one. Yeah, it should show you that we are actually not of this world. We are suspicious. How is this person getting his money? The government wants to tax the church. He wants to do things. To, it's not a small thing. A certain group went for a meeting in another country, a church meeting in another country. And when they came, when they came back to this country, they said that all of them have COVID. Hey, meanwhile, they don't have COVID. Another time, hey, let me not talk about some of these things. It seems to me that God has put us who bear his message on stage in a theater in which no one wants to buy a ticket. We are something everyone stands around and stares at like an accident in the streets. Yes. Wow. We are something everyone stands around and stares at like an accident in the streets. Nobody wants to associate with us. Next verse. We are the Messiah's misfits. You might be sure of yourselves, but we live in the midst of frailties and, un and uncertainties. You might be well thought of by others, but we are mostly kicked around. They don't think well of us. Much of the time, we don't have enough to eat. We wear patched and threadbare clothes. We get doors slammed in our faces. So you shouldn't slam your door on our face. And we pick up all jobs anywhere we can, we can to eke out a living. When they call us names, we say, God bless you. They call us names. Hey! When they spread rumors about us, we put in a good word for them. We are treated like garbage, potato peelings from the culture's kitchen. And it's not getting any better. I'm not writing all this as a neighborhood school just to make you feel rotten. I'm writing as a father to you, my children. I love you and want you to grow up well, not spoiled. That's why I'm sharing these things with you, so that you grow up well and not grow up spoiled. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, so the one who preaches to you, the one who shares the word of God with you, must be honored. Must be honored. We must hold them in high esteem. Look at 1 Timothy 5.17. 1 Timothy 5.17. 
Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. So the, the preacher, those who are, who are with you, who are preaching to you, must be counted worthy of double honor. Okay? Double honor. Especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Look okay, at next verse. Verse 18. For the scripture says, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his high, his reward. Hallelujah. So count them of double honor. Double honor. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Let's read the Amplified. Let the elders who perform the duties of their office well be considered doubly worthy of honor and of adequate financial support, especially those who labor faithfully in preaching and in teaching. You know, and Paul had that in the Philippian church. If you look at Philippians chapter, f- chapter 4 from verse 10, Philippians 4.10. It says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. If you've heard of fitting opportunity, that word opportunity came from the scripture. So maybe you've lacked the opportunities to do something good for your pastor. But we are giving an opportunity. He says, you lacked opportunity. You wanted to do something good for me. He says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me has flourished again. Your care of me has flourished again. Meaning that they were caring for him and then he went down. Then he says, that's flourished again. Then he says, wherein you were also careful. I knew you wanted to do it. it did, it's not that it went down, but the opportunity was not clear. You lacked opportunity to do something good for me. So God is giving you an opportunity to do something for your pastor at the, uh, uh, on 15th December. And you should, I think you should, you should wisen up. Instead of insulting and saying, hey, why are we doing this for the pastor? Why are we doing that for the... Charlie, don't be like those who are outside. You are here. You are the one we are ministering to. Yeah. You, must, you must have a certain proper respect and proper value for what we are doing for you. Because that is where your blessing is. That is where your blessing is. The, 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 the woman who created space for um, Elisha okay, to, to live with her was the one who received the son. You see, she saw Elisha passing by all the time. From one town through her town to another town, all the time. And then she started to start inviting him in for dinner. So when he sees Elisha passing by, he says, Man of God, please come and come and have something to eat in our house. And she, Elisha would come in. This is Second Kings chapter 4, you know, from verse 8. It says, And it fell a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. And she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as often as he passed by, it, he turned into eat bread. The woman was not criticizing uh, uh, Elisha, that every time when you come, you come and eat in my house. I invited you once. Now you are coming all the time. No, she wasn't criticizing him. She was receiving him more and considering how she, she could do more for him. Yeah. Look at the next verse, verse 9. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passed by us continually. I can see that this man is a, is a man of God. I know that he's a man of God. He's a servant of God. Let's do something. Let's do something more. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall, he shall turn in hither. Let's create space for him to be able to come and sleep here every time he comes around. The woman is honoring Elisha. Yes, honoring Elisha by preparing, inviting him. First of all, please come. Nice invite. Come and have dinner. 
with me in my home. Provide a, a very wild banquet for the man of God to have rest. <laughs> yes. Nice banquet for him to have dinner. It's not, it's not wrong for your pastor to, to, have, to have dinner, to, nice dinner to eat. It's not wrong for your pastor to have a nice place to stay. No, why should you stay in a nice place and your pastor is not staying in a nice place? No, it's not supposed to be like that. You must do everything possible to make sure your pastor is staying in a nice, a nice place. How would you treat Jesus if he were around? Yes, how would you treat Jesus if he were around? These are the people that God has given to us as gifts to help us. We must treat them well. We must treat them well. We must think well about them and talk well about them. Do you see? Look at Enneagrams, verse 11. And it fell on a day that he came there and he turned into the chamber and lay there. He came to sleep. He came to relax. Paul said, we don't have a place to sleep. The woman of God realized that the man of God did not have a place to sleep. The woman realized, let's make a place for him to sleep. And he made a nice place. They made a nice place for him to sleep. And it fell on a day that he came there and he turned into the chamber and lay there. Verse 12. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. So as the man of God was lying down, he realized, he looked at her like, Ah, this man is treating me well, Paolo. What can be done for this woman? And he said unto her, unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us. You have been caring for us. That is Anna. Caring for the other person. Caring for your pastor. You have been caring for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Do you want me to talk to the king or the captain of the host? Are you seeing it? So the man of God's contact, I'll talk about the rewards of honoring on Sunday. But these are some of the rewards of honoring. He said, do you want me to talk to the king for you? Sometimes you don't know the influences that the man of God may have. Yeah. Yes, this morning I made a call for some people trying to organize something for them to be employed. Can you, yes, I just, I'm, the small influence I have, I'm trying to use it for the advantage of my family members. I'm talking about my spiritual family members. Yes, the Bible says that Jesus said, Jesus' mother was looking, mother and uh, brothers were looking for him. And he said, who is my mother and who are my brethren? Then he looked around and said, it is those who listen to the word of God and do it. Those who do the will of my father, they are my family. So the ones who do the will of, the, of my father are my family. Wow. wow. It's making calls. If I get an opportunity, I want church people to be there. You see, if you are not honoring, you are insulting, you are thinking in a certain way, you are misbehaving, and an opportunity comes for us to do something, you realize that you, pro, you rather uh, 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 precipitate the naturalness of the man of God than the spirituality of the man of God. He, he, if, he, may, he may look at something else. Wow. wow. So he asked her, what do you want? Do you want me to talk to the king for you or the, to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. I'm okay. I don't have any problem. I don't need anything. Next verse. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, verily, she has no child and her husband is old. So Gehazi realized that there's no child around and the husband too is old. The woman didn't ask for a child, but because of how much she had cared and honored the servant of God. The servant of God was careful. He wanted to do something for her. Can you imagine? He wanted to do something for her. Wow. Hmm. Let me show you a scripture. Go to Philippians. We'll come back to this, but look at Philippians chapter 1. Don't think that, the Bible says that the, a man's gifts shall make room for him, make room for him. Okay? He, was not, he wasn't talking about your gifts, your natural talent and all. He was talking about your honor, your gift of honor. Your gifts 
of Anna. Yes, it is implied. You know, the other one too is implied. Your, your talent and all that also creates room for you, for you to stand before kings. But then your gift is, is also has reference to your gifts, your, your Anna. Eh? Your Anna will create space for you. Do you see? Now, look at Philippians chapter 1. Let me read from verse 1. Philippians 1.1. 1, 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servant of Jesus Christ, to all the saints of, in Christ Jesus, with, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. Is he? Is this? I thank my God upon the remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you making requests with joy. Why? Why is he making requests? He says, I'm always praying for you. Now, my prayer for you, I pray that prayer and make requests for you with so much joy. You see, and there's a comma there. It's not, it's not, it's not done. There's a reason why he was praying for them with a certain kind of joy. He says, for, the reason is this, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. For your fellowship. Let's read the Amplify from verse 3 into verse 5. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. In every prayer of mine, I always make my entreaty and petition for you all with joy, delight. Next verse. I thank my God for your fellowship, your sympathetic cooperation and contributions and partnership in advancing the good news of gospel from the first day you heard it until now. How isn't it? Yeah. It says because you guys were contributing to making sure that the ministry, the work that I was doing was going on, I make a certain kind of request for you with joy. Yes, it's the same group. Go to chapter, chapter 4. You'll see it. This same group. He says, it's the same people that he, he said to them in verse 10, that I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the least, at the last, your care of me has flourished again, wherein you were so careful, but you lacked opportunity. Then verse 11 says, not that I speak in respect of wants. I'm not talking because I need something. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Let's read verse 14 in, in the Amplified so I understand it. But it was right and commendable and noble of you to contribute for my needs and to share my difficulties with me. Are you seeing it? The Philippian church contributed to his needs and shared with his difficulties. Look at the next verse. Verse 15 in the Amplified. It says, And you Philippians yourselves well know that in the early days of the gospel ministry, when I left Macedonia, no church assembly entered into partnership with me and opened up a debit and a credit account in giving and receiving except you only. Have you seen it? Verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, you sent me contributions for my needs, not only once, but a second time. They were careful concerning his life, careful concerning his ministry, making sure he was preserved. He, they thought he was valuable, and so they had to preserve him, and they had to take care of him. Wow. wow. If you think your pastors are important, you, you preserve them and take care of them. You protect them and shield them. Yeah. Yes, from, the, from being the offscoring of the world. Wow. Yes. You will not shame them. You will applaud them. If you said what you celebrate, 
okay, is what you give other, other people opportunity to celebrate. If you don't celebrate what you have, nobody will celebrate what you have. If you don't celebrate your husband, if you don't learn to honor your husband and honor your wife and enjoy your husband and enjoy your wife, who, who, who else will enjoy them for you? Or who else will celebrate them for you? Nobody will. Yes, this subject is a very important subject in, in marriage. Honor. It's very important. The Bible says to honor the, the lady, the wife, because she's the weaker vessel. You must honor. Wow. Yeah. That is what, is, is what brings a lot of contention in marriages. A lot of fights, a lot of quarrels in marriages are because someone feels he's not being honored or he's not being respected. Yes, if your husband is able to ask you, you don't res- tell you, you don't respect me, then there's a problem. Or you don't see me as a husband, then there's a problem. You need to reconsider and pray seriously about it. Hey. Yeah, you shouldn't drive your husband to that place. You shouldn't drive your wife to that place. Especially the husband. Normally, it's the husband that needs, the need of the husband is respect. Not love. Respect. Just respect him and honor him. When he comes from the house and he says good evening, everybody's looking at their phone as though they have not seen him and they are not responding. It's a sign of disrespect. The one you respect, you lift your head for and you make adjustments for. You put your phone aside and go and hug him. Oh, you're welcome, baby. Please have a seat. What do you, what do you want to eat? You shouldn't be asking what you want to eat now that he has come. You should have asked when he was on the way. Baby, what are you going to eat? Three hours before he got there. What are you going to eat? Oh, I want this, I want that, I want that. Then you prepare it for him before he comes. Hey! Yeah, instead of... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Let's preach. For in Thessalonica, you sent me contributions for my needs. Not only once, but a second time. Look at verse, verse, verse 17. Not that I seek or I'm eager for your gift, but I do seek and I'm eager for the fruit which increases to your credit. The harvest of blessing that is accumulated to your account. So your giving and your taking care of your pastor brings you a harvest of blessings. Wow. Gadabaya. Do you see? So that widow, that, not that, that woman, in 2 Kings, cared for Elisha. Elisha said, something must be done for you. What do you need? What is your need? She said, I don't have any need. But then they realized that, no, there's something. She needs a child. So he, he lifted up his voice and said, a year by now. Look at the next verse. Verse, verse 15. 2 Kings 4, 6, 15. 16 now. Okay. And he called her, verse 15. And he called her, he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. Verse 16. And he said, about this season. The woman didn't ask for anything. Anyway, she didn't ask, give me a child. Said, the man of God called and said, you have added that something must be done for you. Yeah. You must receive something. You must receive blessing because the, the, the reward for Anna is blessings. You must receive blessings. And he said, about this season, according to the time of life, you shall embrace a son. And he said, nay, my Lord. She said, nay, my Lord. Thou man of God, do not lie unto, unto thy handmaid. She didn't even have faith. I don't, don't, don't lie to me. I don't want any problems. This particular journey, I've gone for a very long time. I've done surgeries. I've done IV, uh, IV whatever, uh, IVF, right? In, in vitro fertilization. I've done IVF. I've done this. I've done that. I've done everything. It does not work. Don't bring, I don't want any problem along, along that line. My husband is old. We have, we, have, we have agreed that we don't have children. We are okay. The man of God said, no, my sister, you have honored Receive a son now. Hey. The woman said, please, don't lie to me. 
Next verse, verse 17. And the woman conceived, can you imagine? She conceived, the next verse is the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. The woman felt that, that Elisha was a man of God. He said, he's a man of God. He's a holy man of God. Let us do something for him. That was the reward she got. And if you go on, you notice that she lost a child. She lost a child. The child grew up and then the boy died. Then she took the boy and brought, she put, she put the boy on the man of God's bed. Went to call the man of God and told him that, you see, I told you that I don't like stress. When you came into my life, I said I'll feed you and honor you. I didn't want any blessing. But you said I'll, I'll have a son. Now I have, I've had a son. The boy has died. Come and come and do what you're supposed to do. The man of God didn't ask questions at all. He came and did some wonders, some signs and wonders, and life came back to the boy's body. Yeah. Gave the boy back to the, the, the mother. Hallelujah. So, it's a blessing to honor. You must honor. If, if, if um, you, you, you see the person as a man of God or as a woman of God, then the next thing to do is to start honoring the person. Okay, so how to honor? How do you honor? How do you honor God's servants? Number one, by thinking properly about the person. I've said this so many times, but I'll say it again. By thinking properly about the man of God. Or the woman of God. You have to start thinking properly. Properly. Thinking right thoughts. It starts with your mind. Nobody sees what's in your mind. But as a man thinketh in the sack, so is he. What you're thinking in your mind concerning somebody is what will become your expression towards that person. If you are thinking about foolish things, you will express foolishness. If you are thinking with accusations in your mind, you are going to accuse very soon. If you are thinking... Uh, 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 dishonor in your mind. You're going to dishonor the person very soon. It starts with your thinking. Start thinking right about the one that uh, is a servant of God in your life. Do you see? Yeah. Nobody sees your thoughts, but very soon your thoughts become your actions. Very, very soon. It will just take time. Mark chapter 6, verse 2 to verse 5. Mark says 2 to 5. Do you like what I'm sharing with you? Yeah, and when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. This is about Jesus. And many hearing him were, were astonished, saying, From whence has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hand? So they, they realized, hey, Charlie, the man is doing so many mighty things. Jesus said, If you don't believe me, believe me for, for the work's sake. Yeah, if you don't believe me for anything, believe me at least for the works. You see, when a man of God starts out in, in, in ministry, he's not believed because he's not done much. Suspicions all over. Suspicions all over. I remember those times when we say, oh, the church is from Kumase. Hey, Kumase. We know churches in Kumase and how they, hey, it's not a small thing. Oh. Suspicions all the time, all the time, all the time. It's amazing. You know, so Jesus said, listen, they, they, they saw his works. Mighty works are done by his hands, yet they dishonored him. Next verse. It's not this the carpenter. So what they were thinking, this was their thinking concerning, it's not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us. And they were offended at him. This was what they were thinking about him. They were thinking bad thoughts about him. Bad thoughts. Yes, bad thoughts. We know they know be copy that. They were thinking bad thoughts about him. And it became their words and hence their actions. Look at verse 4. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and his own house. There's no monetary transaction here. This type of honor has nothing to do with substance. This is honor without substance. Yeah. Yes, it's called honor without substance. Honor in your thinking. 
in your thinking. It is great dishonor to, to question a man of God's background. Question his sincerity, his sincerity. Question his integrity. And question his calling. It's great dishonor to question a man of God's background. Hey, I thought he, he had a wife here. And he, uh, is this the second wife or the third wife, my friend? How does that concern you? Haven't you seen people marrying five before? Yeah. What is your problem? Let's receive the person and flow. Yeah. yeah, there's something working in the person's life. Receive the person and flow. Jesus said concerning the Pharisees, he said that the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, hear and obey them, but do not do according to what they do. So if you feel that he's they are whatever, the man of God is whatever, don't worry. He's sitting in a certain seat. He's an oracle of God. That is what you must concern yourself with. Eh? That's in Matthew. Matthew chapter 23, verse 1, I think. Matthew 23. That's before verse 1. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. They, there's a seat. They, they, they are, they are an admin, a seat representing a, represents administration. Do you see? They have something they are administering. They are administering something. They are giving out something. They are dispensing something. Economy actually means administration or dispensation or, dis, or uh, administering something. That's what it means. When we say love economy, we say we are dispensing or administering or demo, uh, dispensing Christ with love. We are, so we are giving out love. That's what we are, basically what we are saying. We are not doing economics in the church. It's, 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 the, the Greek word is oikodomia, uh, 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 and it means administration or, or dispensation. Okay? Uh-huh. So it's saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, all the things they say you should observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. So Jesus is saying that, yes, these people are fake. Jesus came and he saw fake pastors. Yet he said that whatever, they are sitting in a particular seat, so whatever they say you should do, do. <laughs> but don't do after their works. Don't be, so don't discredit them. You, don't worry. They have their own problems. Yeah, sometimes you see a man of God who has had so many problems. That's how the ministry is. Though. They'll ask you, what have you suffered? What have you survived? There's so, there's so much pressure all the time. All the time. The Bible says, strike the shepherd and the sheep shall flee. So actually, the, shepherd, the, the, the devil is not looking for the sheep. He's looking for the shepherd. If he can strike the shepherd, the sheep will be in trouble. He says, I saw Israel as a sheep, as sheep scattered on the mountains without a shepherd. Yeah. So you are not the one. Look at your problems. Yet you are not the one the devil is looking for. Yes. Look at all your problems. Ask your neighbor in the church where you are. Look at all your problems. Yet you are not the one the devil is looking for. The devil is looking for the pastor. So all the problems you have, all the temptations you have in your mind, in your life, in your workplace, multiplied by 100, that is your pastor's uh, uh, problem. The things he's fighting. So if he falters a little, help him stand up. Not, hey, not pastors to do day for, ah, brother, are you okay at all? <laughs> are you okay at all? Yeah, Peter, who, who later on became the senior apostle, had a, he fell, he had a problem. He denied his master. Sharp cry. He denied his master. He cried for so many, so many days. Do you see? Look at Galatians 6, verse 1. Galatians 6, 1. 
Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest thou also be tempted. He says, you who are, you, if someone is overtaken, overtaken in a fault, you, who are, you, the spiritual thing to do is to restore the person. Yeah, it is spiritual to restore rather than to destroy. Yes, if you read the final question, you will see how many Christians were killing fellow Christians with their mouth. With the sword of the spirit, they will use the word of God to do so. When, they, when someone falls in the battlefield, then they will take their swords. Instead of attacking the enemy, they start attacking the person, start choking the person, killing the person because he fell. That's a problem that is in the body of Christ. It shouldn't be like that. Oh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, there are some things you shouldn't want to hear. When they are talking about certain men of God, you should say, Please, I will not exercise myself in matters that are too high for me. The eye, the mouth that uh, uh, curses his father. He says, "Raven shall pluck his eyes." Look for it. Look for it for me and put it up there. You can you can type ravens. You, you have it. So start off by thinking right. Hmm? Think right about the servant of God. Think right about the servant of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you like my message? Psalm 30, Proverbs 30, verse 17. Look at Proverbs 30, verse 17. He says, The eye that mocketh at his father. You know mocking, mock terizo. I was talking about it on Sunday. It means opening of the nose. So you are doing this to your father. You are opening your nose to your father. He's saying something to you, you say, my friend, get out. Who do you think you are? I don't know if you heard of the young man who used cattle. He chased his father with, with a cutlass. It's not his father who gave that to him. There are people you should not understand. I'll talk about it next Wednesday. People, relationships that you must honor. That's the last thing I'll talk about. And one of the relationships that you must honor is a relationship with your father. You must honor, no matter what. On Sunday, I was talking to a lady whose father has hurt. The father has hurt her. I told her, forgive him. He said, Pastor, I can't. She was crying. I know she needs some time. But ultimately, you have to for Father's hurt us. What can you do? What you do? What you do? You must just do what the word of God says to do. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pluck it out, and the young eagle shall eat it. Yeah. And this is what happened to the guy who was on, the, on, the, on one side of Jesus' Uh, one of Jesus' side during the crucifixion. Yeah. One of them honored him by calling him master and lord. The other one said, my friend, get out. If you were, if you were, you are something, rescue yourself and rescue us. Who do you think you are? <laughs> As he was talking, a raven came to stand on top of his, his cross and took his eyes out. It happened to him practically. He was talking against the king of kings. You, you are in error. You not keep quiet. Most of the people who talk about pastors and say things, they are all in error. They have problems. 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 Yeah. The eye that mocketh at his father and despite her to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pluck, shall pick it out, and the young eagle shall eat it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. The people fail to believe in Jesus without questioning his background, his sincerity, his integrity, and his calling. That was the dishonor that Jesus Christ noted on that faithful day. Wow. wow. People think that honor is just about giving money to someone. 
You must learn about the honor that can be ministered to a person without necessarily giving something physical. This is the honor that is not by, give, by giving money. Hallelujah. Yeah. To honor someone is to think well of him, to hail or to praise him. Questioning a person, suspecting a person, distrusting a person, doubting his words, and disbelieving his prophecies mean you do not honor him. Wow. wow. Amazing. Amazing. A son, therefore, honors his father when he praises his father. When a son dishonors his father, he accuses him, he blames him, he denounces him, he reproaches him, he disgraces him, he humiliates him, and he rejects him. Wow. Look at Acts, Acts chapter 28. Let's read from verse 1. Very typical example of honor by thoughts. I don't know if you like what I'm sharing with you. And when they were escaped, they were escaped. This is about Paul. They, that, they, then they knew that the island was called Melita or Malta. It's actually Malta. Next verse. Present day Malta. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. When they got to Malta, they showed them kindness. For they kindled the fire and received us everyone because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. Now, a viper is a very wild serpent. The bite of a viper takes you out within five minutes. You can't survive. You are, you are dead. You are dead. It's not possible. Five minutes, you are gone. And when the barbarians saw, when the people of Malta saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, so this is what started coming to their minds, no doubt, mm, this man is a murderer. Mm, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffered not to live. Mm, this man must be a murderer. They called Paul a murderer. They were questioning his background. They said, no, this guy. Because of some things that were happening in Paul's life, they said, mm, this guy has sinned up. He has done something very bad. He's a very wicked man. He has done something grievous. That is why he's having all these problems. Eesh. They started thinking and talking. Thinking and talking. Look at this man. Look at this man. Look at what he's doing. Look at what happened. Look at this. Hey. Next verse. Verse 5. And he shook off the beast into the fire. What kills others may not kill that man of God. It's the truth. And he shook off the beast into the fire and, and felt no harm. Next verse. How be it they looked when he would have stolen. So, so they were looking steadfastly to see what would happen. They were waiting for five minutes to see. They were looking and looking and nothing was happening. Dude was not changing. He was not, swe he was not swelling. Like swollen Sunday. Eh? How be they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while, 30 minutes came by and saw no harm come to him. They changed their minds. I see you changing your mind about the man of God that God has sent to you. They changed their minds and said that he was a God. They started thinking differently. They said that this man is a God. That is how you should think about, about the servant of God that he has sent to you. Think that this man is, is, is like God unto me. Like Aaron thought about Moses. Aaron thought that Moses was instead of God to him. So instead of questioning him, the day he questioned him, he had a problem. Yeah. Instead of insulting him, he, he was around. He was around. They changed their minds. Change your mind. Tell them about change your mind. Change your mind, yes, change your mind about pastors. Yeah, I know there's, there's, there's always a problem somewhere. This pastor has done this. This one has done that. This one has said that. I know. We know. We already, we know. Yeah. Already, we know. 
Do you see? But you must honor. Yes, you must honor. Leave the unnecessary church talking and all those things to those who are outside. They changed their minds and said he, he was a God. Next verse, verse 7. So when they changed their mind that he was a God, they started receiving the benefits of honor with respect to thinking right and talking right. In the same quarters of possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged just three days, courteously, he was honoring them. Have you seen it? Next verse. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. Wow! Yes, when you honor, healings can come. When you honor, when you start thinking right, you, you will have healings, you have things happening around you. I tell you, you will have testimonies. One word can change a lot of things about your life. That's the truth. That's the truth. As long as we have to fight for honor from you, you will not have much. You will not have much from, from, the, from, the, from the prophet of God. That's the, that's the truth. When you honor your prophet, you have a stream of testimonies happening. Yeah, every single word means something for you. Every single word means something important to you. Look at the next verse. So when this was done, others also which had diseases in that island came and were healed. They all came and, why? They honored the servant of God. They thought about him. They changed their minds about him. They changed their minds. And so they had testimonies. They were all healed. Everybody who came was healed. Look at the next verse 10. And they honored them more. Who also honored us with many honors. Many honors. They honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laded laden us with such things as were necessary. They gave them things that were necessary. And honored them with things that they required and needed for their lives. They changed their minds first of all about him. They honored him first of all in their minds before they honored him with their, with their substance. So important. It's so important. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number two. How to honor God's servants. Number one is what? By thinking properly about the person. Number two, by acknowledging him or her. By acknowledging him or her. Honor God's servants by acknowledging them. Just acknowledging them. Oh, you are welcome. Seeing them, by seeing them. You understand? Yeah. Ah, the person's walking out, nobody's minding him. The person's coming, nobody's moving. When he enters a place, everybody's thinking about themselves. Nobody's minding him. Acknowledge the person. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32. To honor someone is to notice and give attention to the person because he's worth it. Therefore, to dishonor someone is to disregard, ignore, and neglect the person. Leviticus 19.32 says, Thou shalt rise up before the holy head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. He says, when you see an old man coming, rise up. Hey! When you see a father coming, rise up. Or kneel down. Yeah. You rise up or you kneel down. You go up or you go down. Don't sit and cross your leg. As it's passing by, you're just there. Someone will do it to you. Thou shalt rise up before the holy head, like acknowledging, noticing, recognizing, and honor the face of the old, and fear thy God. I am the Lord. You have to notice, give attention to the person, because he's worth it. You think that he's worth it. Okay? To dishonor someone is to disregard, ignore, and neglect the person. These are English words. Go and look for them in the dictionary. You understand. Yeah. So honor by standing. 
that shall rise up before the whole world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11 to verse 15. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a, here a prophet of the Lord that we may encounter the Lord by him? And one of the king of king and one of the king of Vision's servants answered and said, Here is Elijah, the son of Shaphat, who which poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha said unto the king of Israel, What have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father and to the prophets of thy mother. And the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord has called thee these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. When Elisha saw the king of Israel, he got angry. He said, My friend, get out, leave my face. <laughs> Elisha was not happy about him at all. Because the king had not handed his words over the years. And now he was coming for inquiry forward. Elisha said, my friend, get out. And Elisha said unto the king, verse 13. And Elisha said unto the king of Israel, what have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father, and the prophets of thy mother, thy mother. And the king of Israel said unto him, nay, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Verse 14. And Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, surely... Were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee. Yes. He says, if it wasn't because I honor and respect Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not have looked toward thee nor see thee. So to dishonor someone is to not look toward him or see the person. It's to not lift your head towards the person. I don't know if you get it. Yeah. To honor somebody is to look at the person. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So acknowledge someone by making public mention of the person. When you see that the person is around, make public mention of the person. You see? Yeah. Don't behave as if the person is not there. You are talking and then you ignore the person. No. People go for weddings. It's important people go for, go for weddings. And they would want to be mentioned that they are around. Their presence must be acknowledged. Yeah. It's important. You have to spend time and mention their names because that's a sign of respect. Hey. Yeah. Honor someone by publicly acknowledging his presence. That was I just, that's what I just mentioned. Honor someone by giving an award. Honor someone by inviting him to be a speaker. Honor someone by appointing him to be an honorable person, uh, to an honorable position. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's important that you honor. I sing it. Yes. The next one, let me do this last one for today and then we'll continue on Sunday. The next one is by paying attention to his word. Number three, how to honor God's servant. Number three, by paying. Number one was by thinking properly about the person. Number two was by acknowledging him or her. Number three is by paying attention to his words. By paying attention to his words. Paying attention to his words. If you honor me, you pay attention to my words. You will give attention to my words. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Proverbs 4, 20. You dishonor by ignoring the words. Thinking that it's nothing. Oh, he has said it, but we'll do something else. Hey. Hmm. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ears unto my sayings. My son, if you are a son, you will attend to the words of your father. You will incline your ears to his sayings. You will hear him gladly. The Bible says that the poor people heard Jesus gladly. You will hear the person gladly. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 24. Proverbs 7, 24. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, 
and attend to the, to the words of my mouth. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, if you are a child, if you are a, a, a son or a daughter in the house, you will hearken unto your father, and you attend to the words of his mouth. That is how it is. That is how it is. So to dishonor is to what? Is to not hearken or to not listen, not heed to the words of the person. Is to, is to ignore, disregard the person's words. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pay attention to the person's words. And do it. Do it. And that is what makes it work. Without that, it's, it's, you are, you, so you can honor with your money and not honor with, by paying attention to the words. This one is more important than your money. That's the truth. This one is more important than your money. You see, every father's heart desire is to see his children prosper. And how will his children prosper without his words? It is his words that will prosper you. It is his words that will advance you. So you must pay attention to his words. Okay? So let me show you different levels of, un- of paying attention to someone's words. Number one, honor your father by paying attention to his words. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Paying attention to your parents' words is very important. Obeying your parents is the same as honoring your parents. You dishonor me when you, dis- when you are disobedient. Obeying your parents is the honor that you can give them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you seeing it? Yeah. Obeying their words. Doing what they are saying you should do. The person said, listen to this message. You didn't listen to it. You are not paying attention to his words. Therefore, you will not be blessed. It's not a case. That is the, that is the, that's what works. That's how it is. Paying some attention to someone's words or advice is the evidence that you honor him. When you listen to, when, whom you listen to, whom you follow, and whose words you attend to is a sign of the person you really honor. Yes. That's why I encourage you, listen to me more. If you are listening to me more, it means that you are, you are honoring me. I'm the one preaching I'm your father. You say, you say, I'm, your, you say I'm your father. Yet you listen to somebody more and respect the person's words more than you, you respect mine. Or listen to me. Stop deceiving yourself. You are deceiving yourself. We know who your father, your real father is. If you notice, I don't call, I don't, I, I seldom say son or daughter. This is my son or this is my, I don't claim. Because I don't know what's going on in your heart. Really. Hey. Yes, we are all around. Well, I know you are my son, you are my daughter, but I may not call you son or daughter. Yeah. I may not call, I may not say, you see, if someone is your son, you don't go around saying, this is my son, this is my son. No. Prove that you are son, prove that you are daughter by paying attention to, listening frequently, and doing what is being said. Getting into the messages that has been preached. Tearing it apart and implementing them for your success. That is, that is what we are talking about. Yes. If you're a son, you pay particular attention to the words. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number two, honor your father by paying attention without answering back or arguing. Answering back or arguing. Answering back is dishonor. We say, come. You say, why should I come? Oh, I said come. No, I won't come. What is your problem? You are answering back. You don't know why we are calling you. It's a problem. It has become a table tennis conversation. When I say, and then you also say. When I say, and then you also say. <laughs> I remember one day I was talking to some, some gentlemen, some people in church. 
two guys in church. As I was talking to them, they, they brought a problem. And I knew about the problem before they came. And they were talking and talking. When they finished talking, I also started talking and showing them what they should do. I said, oh, forgive this person. Don't worry, it has happened. Yes, you were hurt. I'm apologizing on the person's behalf. It's well, it's fine. Forgive the person. Continue your life. Then the person answered back. Two of them answered back. No, we will not forgive her. We will not forgive her. I said, oh, don't worry. You see, I'm the one talking to you. Relax. Everything will be fine. I mean, it's part of life. No, pastor. What she has done, we'll never forgive her. We'll never. And it was answering as I'm talking. He's talking back. And I say, then he'll say back. So why are you, why are you in front of me? What do you want from me? I don't know if you get it. What do you want from me? Do you, are you here for counsel and advice and direction and guidance? Or you are here to express your opinion and express what you think? Then why are you talking to me? So I, I, I went a third time. During the same conversation, I said, oh, my brother, Charlie. And you see, he was even getting angry before me because of what the person has done, you know, how she will never be mine, whatever again. She will never. I was like, hey, brah. Relax, calm down. You are, you are almost creating a scene. People will come and come and ask, find out. He was in my office and he was shouting in my office. I said, Oh, relax, relax. Everything will be, everything will be fine. Cool down. So I spoke to him again. I went another round. Oh, Charlie, relax. Everything will be fine. You know, I don't want to mention the case. That's why I'm moving around like that. Then he answered back again with the same answer he had been answering with since the first time. It had been one hour talking to him and he was not changing his mind. So I said, get up and leave my office. I told him, get up and leave my office. Me too, I got angry. Get up and leave my office. This is the last time I'll say anything about you again. I will not say anything about you again. He was not leaving my office. He was trying to apologize. I said, you are not ready. You are not ready for counsel. You are not ready to hear. You don't respect me. The fact that I'm saying forgive and you are saying I will not forgive right in front of me is, is a sign. So I left him. I stormed out of the office and I've not spoken to him up to date about anything. I won't because he doesn't respect my words. He doesn't. Yeah. I see him around. He comes to say hello. I'll say hello back. How are you? It's good to see you. God bless you. But part that I'll call him and counsel him about something, it will never happen. It is finished. Ish. Until I see a change, I'm not going to talk. Because clearly he doesn't, he doesn't value what I have to say. He doesn't, have, he doesn't think that I, I, I have something that he needs or I can say something that will help him. Don't cast your pearl before swine. It's in the Bible. If you see a swine, don't cast your pearl before swine. Clearly he's displaying himself as a swine. He's a pig. <laughs> he says if you put your, your jewelry before him he will tear it up and he will, he will destroy it and turn and come and destroy you so I've decided to withdraw all my pearls from him and give it to those who are interested yeah so I said, am I a bad person? I'm fulfilling scriptures I'm fulfilling scriptures wow yeah stalking back I told, there were two of them I told them it's, it's finished me talk about something with respect to you I will not say it I won't, I won't. Until I see a change, I will not. Until I see that you are interested. Yeah. And the last time I saw them, they came around, Pastor, how coolly. I said, oh, yeah, how are you? It's good to see you. Wow, you are blessed. 
You're telling me about something we're doing. I said, ah, you are blessed. That's all I'll say. You are blessed. But part that I'll go into details. That do this and do that and do this and do that. And pick this one and make sure this will happen. Mm, I'll never do it. Because yeah. when I say it, he will, just like he was doing in my office for one hour, he will do it. Yeah. Another time I was talking to somebody else. You know? Do it like this. And then he will, he will answer with, but. <laughs> All the time, but. You, why, you, why, you, why did you come and see me? I don't know if you get it. Why did you come and see me? If you are going to be answering with buts, do you think that I have something to say that will help you? Or I can present your life and something will change? Instead of saying, yes, sir, thank you, thank you, daddy, you said something about this, I'm going to do it. Instead of, instead of saying that, you are replying but with buts, so many buts. I just look at him like this, and I said, you, you are not ready. You are not ready for change. When you're ready for change, you can come. And I made him leave my office. Hey! Wow. Honor your father by paying attention without answering back. It's in the Bible, Titus chapter 2, verse 9. Titus 2, 9. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. Not answering again. Answering again is answering back. Table tennis type of conversation. Why did you come and see me? Why? Why? Because you think what I'm saying is just like an advice. You, you are answering back. If you think it's something that God is saying to you, you will not answer back in a certain way. You may say, oh, but once, twice. But when, when it is answered for you, when your question is answered for you, you will not keep saying but, 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 but this, but that. Ah, why are you stressing that thing? Why are you stretching that thing? You shouldn't be stretching things. Eh? One man of God said, conversations that last beyond five minutes with disagreements, there's a demon involved. Stop talking. <laughs> Said it is demonic. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Servants are asked to obey and pay attention to their instructions. Paying attention causes you to not to answer back. The fact that you're answering back is a sign that you are not paying attention. I don't know if you get it. You are not listening. You are, your opinion, you are still holding on to opinion. You are not listening to what the other person is saying. Continuous retorts and arguments in defense of your action are a sign of a lack of respect and a lack of honor. When you are listening to instructions, you do not answer back. It takes time to form an answer. This is the reason why people who argue a lot never change their minds. This is the reason why people who argue a lot never change their minds. Because they are always arguing. They are always saying back, talking back. They are not ready. The next one is, honor someone by paying attention to all his, all his instructions, big or small. This is a very big one, a very key one. Honor the person, the person by paying attention to all instructions, big or small. Big or small. Big or small. Sometimes we, de we decide that this one is important, this one is not important. I don't know if you get it. You sift the instruction and you say, this one is important. The big ones are important, but these ones, oh, they are not important. But in John chapter 2, verse 5, Jesus' mother told the servants, whatsoever he tell it to do, do it. John 2, verse 5. His mother says unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it, whatever. And he started telling them small, small things that does not make any sense, any natural sense. You may come and tell us, you are not feeling well. And I'll say, go and take communion. Hey, I'm not feeling well. Instead of you telling me something proper, what, which is the proper thing? What do you want me to tell you? Am I a medical doctor? Do I prescribe medicine? I don't prescribe medicine. If you are telling me that you are ill, then it means that you're expecting me to prescribe the, the meal that brings healing, which is, the, which is communion. That's what you're telling me to do. And that's what I'm, I'm going to give to you. Instead of 
uh, oh, this one. So you take the communion once. Which, how many of you took a drug one, one time and then you go, you, go, you go well? You take it in succession. According to the prescription. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there were set there six water pots of stone. After the manner of the purifying of the Jews, a count containing two or three firkins apiece, Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear. They bear it. Okay? Now you, you and I know that the, the water had become wine. When the will of the feast had tasted the water, that was, that was made wine and knew not whence it was. But the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom. He was so excited. The servants knew. They did all the things that Jesus said they should do because they heard what the mother said. Whatever I tell us you to do, do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your deference, your yielding, your agreeing and compliance with all instructions are manifestations of your honor or for someone. Many people obey what they think is sensible and leave out what they think is not necessary. Many people obey what they think is sensible and leave out what they think is not necessary. By leaving out certain instructions, you are saying that some of the instructions given were nonsense. You despise those instructions. You have no respect for those inappropriate instructions because some of the instructions are inappropriate. Inappropriate. I, I tell you, oh, wait for me here. <laughs> and after one hour, I've not spoken to you again. Instead of leaving, come and remind me, oh, pastor, you said I should wait here. Oh, I forgot, come, let's, let's do this. I've had meetings with people, they will leave. And after one year, I've not spoken to them and they are surprised. And the opportunity never came again. It never came again. It's gone. If you had waited for me for one hour and maybe I'd seen you again, you would have, would have communicated. <laughs> the one you respect, you are just... You make adaptations for. That's the next point. The next major point. But we'll talk about that on Sunday. Okay? By your actions, you declare that you are utterly, you utterly reject all nonsensical, inapplicable instructions that are given. See things with indignation and pride. You utterly ignore useless instructions that are given to you. Dear friend, one of the greatest points of Anna is paying attention to all instructions, especially the little ones and the ones that look like nonsense. Wow. Yes. The ones that look like nonsense. It looks nonsensical. No wisdom. No wisdom. <laughs> One man of God was employed by a certain church. And when he, when he came into the employment, he sat behind the desk for almost two years. I don't forget it. He was working with a big time oil company. He was earning, earning, this is Niger, he was earning millions of naira. Millions. And then he was a lay pastor. And then his pastor said, you should come full-time. And he now realized that he must come full-time. And when he came into the office, they gave him a desk. And he sat behind the desk without any work for two years. Yes, two years. Two years. And he was being paid something small. Two years. He was just there. Every day he would be in the office sitting behind the desk. What kind of instruction is this? What kind of nonsense is this? Look at me that... Uh, he never said that. Look at the job that I was doing. Why have you called me? I'm not doing anything. I'm, I'm, I'm being underused. I'm being underutilized. My skill set is... <laughs> he never spoke like that. Yeah. But sometimes his pastor called him and said, I want you to do this and do that and do that and do that. That was a time that he needed to read and pray and do some. And that was what he did. He saw it. He saw that the instruction to come and sit was an instruction from the Lord. Sit and don't do anything. 
sit and meditate, sit and do. And he did that. He did that. Yeah, sometimes the instruction is giving. If you think it is nonsense, you will not see the blessing that is inside. Yes, think that it is really something and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. You'll be surprised that something great will come out of it. Yeah, today he's a big man of God. I don't want to mention his name. He's a big man of God in this country. He's a Nigerian, but he's in this country. He has one of the biggest ministries in this country. Very big ministry. If you are smart, you see what I'm, who I'm talking about. Yes, he's a big man of God doing so many wonderful things for the Lord. Because at that time, he spent that time praying and reading, thinking, investing into himself. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's a blessing. I pray that the word of God will work in you practically. I pray that the Holy Spirit will take absolute control over your life and help you to honor all those he has placed in your life to honor. And I pray that as you honor, you see the blessings of honoring. You will see the glory of God manifest in your life, especially. I see you growing and increasing and prospering and enjoying health all the days of your life. And I see you advancing in goodness and advancing in grace all the days of your life. As you honor God and honor his prophets, you are esteemed highly before the Lord, even in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you so much. Thank you for joining me tonight. God bless you. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's Word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.